0: That's a sensational catch, absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Mialo, Hammered down the ground, it could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going
1: to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed, that's 50 for Brush. What a knock that is from him! Outstanding striking, and that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could
0: be a catch, what a catch! One handed grab, and that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh my days, we have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Under the Covers, Guernsey Cricket's very own podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Guernsey Cricket Development Manager, and on this podcast we will be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators and other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's Christmas special, we catch up with current Guernsey Head Coach, Andy Cornford. Welcome to the podcast, Guernsey's Head Coach, Andy Cornford. Yeah, thanks, Ferbs. Uh, nice to speak to you. Thank you. So you were born in October the 8th, 1970, in Crover in Sussex. What did your childhood cricket memories and early childhood look like?
1: Yeah, I guess, like, uh, listening to a lot of your podcasts, I, th- I think it was my dad's influence. Um, my dad was a uh, keen sportsman, played football, played cricket. You know, the traditional winters were taken up with football and summers were cricket. Uh, God knows how my mum survived. But I just, you know, from a young age, I guess I just went along. And before I knew it, I, you know, I I loved playing cricket. You know, it's like all the kids, you play out on the boundary, hoping you're going to get out to play one day. Um, So, yeah, there was a lot of sport in my family. uh, And, yeah, I used to basically go every Saturday and Sunday and and, and watch and probably play cricket on the boundary side.
0: Yeah. And then with with that, did you, the primary school you attended, uh, I don't actually know where it was. So one, where is it? And was cricket a key sport in the primary
1: school? No, so it was a local school in Crowborough called Firmus School. And I guess cricket in those days, uh, I know, God, when you said 1970, it sounds scary, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, it was it, a long time ago. But yeah, there was no cricket at all in school. You know, uh, it was it was rounders and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, very sort of low key sports until we got to secondary school. Um, but certainly in my early days, yeah, there was no Um, there was no formal coaching or anything like that. It was just a case of sort of play and learn as you go along.
0: Yeah. And then you mentioned your secondary school there uh, and that, that did obviously play a bit of cricket in secondary school. Yeah, there was,
1: there was a bit there. Um, It it used to be in those days, I guess, whatever preference that school teachers had, they would teach. So Beacon School where I went in Crowborough, was a, a really big comprehensive school in those days. But they were very, very hockey orientated. Very good at tennis. Uh, we didn't play rugby because the school was rough enough without rugby. They didn't. Okay. I don't think they trusted us to do that. Um, <laughs> and we, we did a little bit of cricket, but but nothing major. So, you know, most of my cricket growing up was at Crowborough Cricket Club, where my dad played, which was the local club. And you know, playing with mates until I, you know, sort of got involved in, you know, sort of structured coaching with with the county stuff.
0: Yeah. So on that, the Sussex, the Sussex links you got there. Um, what did their sort of age group sessions look like, or did you not join at age group training?
1: Well, I didn't. I didn't get into Sussex uh, age groups until under fifteen. I tried at under fourteen, um, which was just literally turn up on a Sunday net, have a net, and then wait for the the phone call or the letter. And I don't think it ever came, which was a bit of a sign. I think that I hadn't got in. Yeah. Um, and then I went back at under fifteen. Um, and was lucky enough to get in and then we used to just have you know winter winter nets Um, but I I was very lucky when I was young there was a, a guy a coach at Sussex called Pat Cale who sort of most of my generation would have been coached by at some stage and he was just incredibly passionate about you know Sussex cricket but youth cricket so I was lucky as my Christmas and birthday presents used to be around sort of private coaching with him that I'd have once a week say eight sessions during the winter and I think that's really where I sort of went from a you know, a, a, a club cricketer, if you like, to somebody that maybe had a, had a little bit extra. So, you know, I'm I'm really grateful for what he, you know, gave me in terms of um, sort of vision, if you like,
0: with my cricket. And then, were you more of a bowler back then, or did you bat a bit as well? No, do,
1: do you know I was I was I used to bowl a little bit, but literally only to make up the numbers. I, I was a batter, um, a top order batter. Um, uh, you know, I used to bat uh, top three in in the age groups. And even, you know, when I made my second team debut, I was always top order. The bowling actually came around later, but by chance, it's a bit of a a strange thing. So, you know, I was lucky enough I got signed at 18 as a batsman. Um, But I look back at my career now and probably think that, you know, as an out-and-out batter, I probably wasn't good enough, if I'm honest. I certainly wasn't fit enough. I mean, God, it's embarrassing, really, when I think, you know, the, the... the lack of fitness and sort of awareness I had at a young age, you know, it definitely held me back. But at the end of one of the winters, uh, sorry, one of the summers, I got offered an opportunity to go and play in New Zealand at University St. Heliers in, in Auckland in the Premier League. And it was only when I was on the plane over there and my mate Jamie Hall, that was also at Sussex, we were both going to the same club. Who sort of laughingly joked as we were sort of flying over the, you know over Los Angeles, you do realize that they think you're a bowler. And I sort of thought he was having a bit of a laugh until I actually arrived in New Zealand. And they thought I was a frontline bowler. So it actually was the best thing that ever happened to me because, you know, I knew I had to bowl. And pretty much that whole winter, I just trained and trained on bowling and sort of teaching myself, if you like, how to bowl. And then, you know, I came back and I was, you know, somebody that could properly bowl in those days. So, yeah, I, you know, it came around by a fluke. Um, but I wish I'd had my bowling as a skill when I was at Sussex. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have probably had a much better chance of of progressing, but you know, my, my own personal Sussex cricket, I look back with fond memories, but if I'm honest with myself, you know, at at the time I was signed at sort of 18, 19, I wasn't, I I wasn't good enough or or mentally strong enough. I don't think to, um, to, to really kick on. And then, Funnily enough, you know, Sussex actually got back in touch with me when I was 32 to see if I'd re-sign. But by then, I'd um, you know, I'd sort of got a career going in the fire service. So, yeah, that was pretty much, uh, pretty much how it went.
0: Yeah, so you said you signed at 18 uh, for Sussex. Was the academy a thing back then, or was that later on the academy came in?
1: Yeah, that, that, came, a, that came quite a bit later. So, you, you basically had the uh, Sussex age group, so you'd probably have had under-14s through to the under-19s. And the under-19s, I have to say, was a brilliant competition. Um, it was a national thing, and... So all the major counties would get together every year and play either the Cambridge or the Oxford Festival, you know, and and there were some really, really good sides. So that was really good competition. So you'd probably be playing in the county second team, but then you'd also have those under-19 fixtures. So I was then lucky enough from there, they used to have the old YTS scheme, the old youth training scheme. I think Keith Greenfield was the first one to go on it. And then I eventually went on it. Then I went on this, what was called a Sussex Bursary, where uh, one of the ladies at Sussex um, I got it's terrible Mrs. Cro Reese, I think her name was she was a, a very kind lady that would donate money to the club to basically sign a young player before they got officially signed. So mm-hmm. I went on to that, and then fortunately, the next year, then I got my first professional contract.
0: Yeah, and then you made your list A debut in 2003. Um, at, at that stage, was it solely professional cricket you were focused on? Or well, you no have, that that was that was quite
1: a bit later actually, Ferb. So I right. my, my actual sort of um Sussex cricket. So I played three seasons effectively of second team cricket, or two and a half seasons of second team cricket, and actually got released when I was twenty one. Right. So uh, so then I just uh you know I I love the game, so I carried on playing. I wasn't one of these players that thought God I haven't made it, so I'm going to throw the you know the the towel in and never play again. So um, I that, I then that went that back, back to my yeah it was yeah, yeah. so. I went back to Crowborough when I got released um, and we had one year, I think in the lower league, and then we got into the premier league. So I played all of those, all of those seasons. And then the, I think it was the Cheltenham and Gloucester trophy came about and the uh, cricket boards were able to compete within the, within that, within that competition. So I played uh, quite a few games then for Sussex cricket board. So I'd have been, you know, my early thirties, then 32 in, in in 2002 uh, when I played in the CNG trophy. All oh, right. Yeah, it was good cricket, actually. You know, we played against Wales and people like Phil Simmons. You know, typically yeah. very wel- very Welsh. Um, was playing for Wales? And, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good comp.
0: I guess that doesn't really happen so much now. Obviously, it's, the counties are really searching for the next youngster off the block rather than someone that's probably made it in in club cricket.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you know, I look at it now in the setup within the county set. You know, county scene with the academies, and you know, I was lucky enough to be the head coach at the EPP, the Emerging Players Program at Sussex, and there are some really, really talented kids out there. Um, and I think the pathway now for young players, certainly on the mainland, is, is is there's loads of opportunity. There's really good coaching structure, you know, and there is a clear pathway that if you're good enough, if you're, you know, and and let's face it, luck plays a big part. If you're fortunate enough to get the breaks, then. You know, going from the emerging players program onto the academy and the county staff is 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 one route. It's not the only route, but it is one of the major routes to get to becoming a pro nowadays.
0: Yeah, and then with your coaching, did you always look into coaching as sort of like a secondary thing, or was it something that just sort of came out the blue? Well, it, I mean, when I when
1: I finished playing professionally, I thought, what you know, what, what the hell am I going to do in my life? You know, I'm early twenties, and I thought, you know, all I've ever thought about is playing cricket, and then. Funnily enough, when I was younger, one of the other things I always wanted to do was, you know, was always the fire service. So I actually got into the fire service because of my cricket. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up playing for the National cricket, uh, Fire Service cricket team and then, and then managed to get into the sort of full-time fire service. And then I, I relocated to um, rugby in, uh, in Warwickshire. I still lived in Sussex, so I commuted. So I sort of lost cu- touch with Sussex. Yeah. Well when, when I transferred back to East Sussex Fire Service in 2000, obviously I sort of met up with Keith Grubby and um, yeah. it, it sort of came back from there where he said, look, why don't you come on board? I'd done my coaching badges when I was at Sussex. So yeah. um, it was a natural thing for me to do.
0: And then you, you said, you mentioned you involved the EPP there. Did you do anything hmm. else uh, before that or after?
1: So I'd always, you know, when I... But Sussex as a young player, as a, you know, as a pro, you basically did the winters you 're employed for six months, so the winters were scratching your whatever, trying to find some work so Keith and I ended up doing coaching for Sussex at that stage so i 'd done a lot of group coaching and a bit of one to one, but then when I came back to Sussex, it was when it really sort of took off and you know I walked in there the first time and I realized even though i'd done my you know I knew you know, I knew the game but I looked and observed other coaches and thought, my God, they're either speaking a different language to me or they're just at a completely different level. So, you know, that was when I then ended up being put on my level three, um, which I really enjoyed. But, yeah, I needed upskilling for sure. Uh, uh, you know, so it was a really good learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, and then um, with that, obviously Guernsey have had a strong link with Sussex uh, for many a year now. Um, I think it was sort of started officially in 2006 uh, where Sussex visited the island yourself was on that trip I'm pretty sure Grubby was as well and then so was uh, a young spinner at the time called Tom Smith I'm pretty sure came over
1: yeah the one thing I do know and you probably know as well Ferbs Grubby never misses out on a trip yeah. so <laughs> it, it, you know if there was any trip going Grubby would be on it so yeah you know he and I are really close mates and I, I was asked if I wanted to come out to Guernsey to help deliver some coaching sessions and while i was down there it was actually my first ever weekend um, the conversation came up about you know sort of coaching in the national team and I, and i i'll be honest i didn't really have a clue then on 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 what it entailed what the sort of um demands were or or anything like that but you know i mean you know i'm sure we'll go on to it but looking back you know it was one of the best decisions i made but yes yeah, smithy came out as well um and, and we used to do that where we'd bring some, you know, over some of the younger players from Sussex to help deliver the coaching. God, those days on us, you know, Saturday, Sunday, locked in the the college sports hall. Yeah. You know, they did seem to go on forever. Um, you know, great, really enjoyed it. Mike Kinder, you know, was there and Shambles and yeah. a bit of Frithy, and, and you know, it was it was great um, to be able to do that. And then as as I said, being being able to bring over people like Tom Smith and some of the other younger pros to help deliver certain sessions was. Um, it was just a really important part of embedding that link, really.
0: Yeah, the other thing, actually, which uh, I wanted to touch on was the UK-based days we did as well. So, obviously, I, whilst I was at uni, I was fortunate enough to attend these. Um, but some of the notes I made was, uh, you know, we'd usually get two days' practice. For me, it was a four-and-a-half-hour journey down from, from Gloucester just to let you basically pepper me on the bowling machine, which which I'm quite, still not quite sure why I signed up to that. But yeah, yeah your memories see. of those ones? I do, I do remember
1: them, you know, I, I, You know, Grubby and I would turn up at the county ground looking at these guys who just got off a plane bleary-eyed, yeah. you know, thinking they'd come for a bit of a hit and then Grubby would unleash a fitness test and <laughs> God knows what else on them. And they, and they were really packed days, but it was just about really trying to not only maximise the opportunity we have with you guys on the mainland, but just, it, it was trying to get you a bit of exposure as well. Because, you know, while Guernsey does a brilliant job, you know, the, there's always that question, isn't it, about what is it like on the mainland? So to try and either bring in some of our young players to bowl at you or, or run sessions or do your, the fitness tests like we did in Sussex was just always about just trying to sort of open your minds to, you know, cricket beyond just, you know, cricket that is based on the island. But, yeah, I, I do remember them. You know, God, there's quite a few of the lads that have come over to those to those um, sort of dreaded Sundays yeah. at, at, at Hove. Um, but, yeah, I think they were really important.
0: I, mean, I think in in my sort of uh, time, it was myself, Jamie, uh, who were UK-based, and you had the likes of Tom Kimber coming over from Guernsey. Uh, Lutonus, back then, was actually a leg spinner. He'd come over from Guernsey. Um, but all, all have gone on to have, you know, reasonably successful careers for Guernsey. So, obviously, something did, did work there. Yeah, I think it was just – I think it's important for the lads at that stage as well just to get
1: off the island, you know, even if it was for very short periods. Yeah. You know, get them off island, get them seen by our, you know – various specialists that we had at Sussex at that time, you know, a lot of video analysis, all that sort of stuff, just to get them sort of in that sort of cricket bubble, I guess. And, um, you know, I remember Blaine coming over, uh, you know, Chris Mahurndal, I think, you know, there there were various players that have have made that journey. Um, But yeah, they were really, really worthwhile.
0: Yeah. And then following that, this was about the same time when you became head coach, Uh, obviously still based in Sussex and flying in sort of once a month. How did you find that role? Obviously, it's probably something you've never done before, like you said, like flying in just for a, just for a training Yes. Yeah, well,
1: I remember my, my, I did some winter, we did obviously some winter stuff. And then I remember, I, I mean, back then I had, a, I had a bit of an issue with my hip. I had to have some hip surgery. I had a um, sort of uh, osteo, uh, well, not osteo. I, I, um, I had an issue with my hip anyway. I can't even remember what it's called now. But anyway, so I had to have some surgery. So I missed out on a bit. And then my actual first day back was this thing that everyone kept talking about, it was this thing called an interinsula. And I was like, well, what is this? You know, okay, so, okay, it's Jersey V Guernsey, all right, let's rock, you know, we I remember having a team meal, and I thought, God, you know, Dave Hurst, you know, this is really well organised, everyone's dressed in the same kit, and I remember going to KG5, and it was an absolute belter of a day, it was boiling, and, you know, talked to a few of the guys, and to be fair, I didn't even know the team that well then, you know, yeah. not really, and then some of them were, you know, I could see they were really up for this game and they are going, oh, there's going to be loads of people in. I was like, really? And then by the start, you know, loads of people had turned up. There's people dressed in God knows what, dragging yeah. in crates of beer. And as the day went on, so the banter, well, you call it banter, sort of um, <laughs> <laughs> increased. Uh, and this game just unfolded that was just so clear just how passionate it was. You know, by the obviously the home supporters then, it, it looked like, you know, it was one of those things. I think I could have lost any other game for Guernsey, but just don't lose the Interinsula. you know. And, and I realised from that moment on, actually, I'd got a really passionate group of people here that really want to win. They yeah. really want to play cricket, and actually, we lost that game. Yeah, I uh, think it was a bit
0: 2007 that one. I think it might have been. I mean, well, I try some... to make some notes, and I think in 2007 um, it was before before I'd actually played for Guernsey uh, seniors in an interinsular. Uh, I think we lost by four runs, being bowled out with four yards right. there. That's right. Yeah, we just... Uh, I, th- I just remember that it's a funny... Well, I mean, I remember Pete Lehegra getting hit in the face when somebody threw the ball back. Yeah, so that was Chris Mahandel. So uh, Jamie was 12th man that year. That's right. So that's right. I was in the squad, but I didn't make the inter squad, if you like. I was in the wider that's, squad. Yeah, uh, I remember coming right. to watch the game and and Mo was to catch on the boundary and fizzed it in, celebrating... And in the meantime, Peter turned around to give get his cap or something from the umpire and the ball smacked him straight in the, below the eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I just remember that. And and then, you know,
1: we were sort of in the game, out the game. And then Moes went in and I just remember him just hitting this massive straight six. And I was like, blimey, there's this young lad who, you know, who's a... Yeah. You know, we all know Mowers. He's cocksure and all that, and he had a lot to say. And I thought, well, let's see how much you back this up. And he went out there and he smoked this thing for six straight. And I was like, wow. And then, as you say, we got right down to the wire where you think you're going to win it. And uh, yeah, we did. We we unfortunately came up short, but it was it was just I guess that on reflection was that time where I sort of sat down, sort of think, you know, beginning to think, you know, I've got something here. You know, there's a group of players, various ages, they they really want to win.
0: Yeah, well, actually, that, that game, if I'm just looking at the scorecard now. So, uh, Ryan Bishop actually kept wicket that year. Yeah. Fantastic keeper. Matt Oliver, Amy Banerjee, Jeremy Frith, Stu La Prevo, G.H. Schmidt, Andy Biggins, uh, Gary Rich, Chris Mahurndle, Blaine Carapelt, and Pete Legras. It's actually a pretty uh, solid team to, to walk into and inherit that. <laughs> Oh God, it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it really was. I mean, I remember as
1: well, GH, I was thinking it was just as well. I better be careful what I say, because I don't know if the umpires are still around, but I just remember (laughs) on that day as well. I think GH was actually past the stumps when he was giving out run out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, I did get a bit of feedback. I think it was Alan Hamilton at the time, bless him you know, who sort of said, well, you'll get used to that over the years sort of thing. And, uh, you know, walking around the boundary, watching the game, it was, as I said, it, it was it was very clear how much it meant to um, to both teams. But uh, certainly the supporters were passionate that day.
0: Yeah, and alongside when you first started, uh, our sort of calendar didn't look anything like it looks now. So um, talk to me about how it sort of came about, the ICC bits, um, because we, yeah. we just used to play at the MCC and in an inter like you said, which is probably one of the inter yeah. So, you know,
1: obviously I, I came in when that calendar started to develop. So, I, you know, I think initially you might have been part of the ECB um, and then obviously, you know, you had your, your day pisings and, and and people like that behind the scenes, I think, that just had that forward thinking about what the ICC might be able to offer in terms of Guernsey going forward. Um, and I think we were just behind Jersey. In fact, I think Jersey might have gone the year before. And then, of course, it threw us into these European qualifiers. Um, and you know, we started to get into to tournament cricket where we'd gone from, you know, as you say, just the, the odd, you know, MCC game and to suddenly tournaments and then those tournaments could open up other pathways. So, you know, it it, it just, it sort of organically grew, I guess. And, and yeah. I guess I was conscious of that time of, of a small island, small number of players. How big can this get before players can no longer commit to doing what we need them to do? But, you know, fortunately by hook or crook, we managed to get by, but yeah, it was an incredibly exciting time. And I think, you know, I always said, and I, I, I remember meeting Skegg actually before Skegg took over from me when, when I, when I sort of left, I said to him, you know, that it, at Sussex, you know, you've got loads of kids, you've got fantastic facilities, loads of coaches. And, you know, if this kid doesn't make it or doesn't do it the right way, there's another kid. And so it was very easy to just have a very, very firm line of which side they fell and then decided which, you know, which route they would take, whether they would, yeah. you know, progress or they'd fall by the wayside. And pretty quick, it came apparent, you know, in Guernsey that you, you just can't do that. You know, I think if I was to give anyone, you know, any advice, and I remember, I remember having a conversation with Skeggis, it was just about, you just have to learn to manage your compromises. So, you know, you can't be, just right. That is it, and and that's the end of it. Because you don't have, you know, those numbers of players. You've got to build relationships with people, and you've got to be. Ha- you've got. To, they've got jobs. You you've got to be able to compromise. So it taught me a, a really a really important lesson about that coaching about you know the quality of the relationship that you have with the players, um, you know, because then you could you could try and put more on them, you know, and get more out of them. But it was, um, you know, it, it it was an absolutely brilliant opportunity for me a great a great eye-opener and, and yeah I, I absolutely loved it
0: yeah and then with 2008 um we actually built our own purpose-built cricket centre in Guernsey um I mean this must have been fantastic as a coach to come from uh, taking nothing away from Elizabeth College Sports Hall so we're back in there at the moment um but to go into a purpose-built double quartered uh cricket facility
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, we got John Ravenscroft to thank for that, as we have for many, many years of support to to Guernsey cricket. You know, and it was just, uh, yeah, it it was huge for us. You know, as as you say, the college was, you know, really, really great. You know, for us in those early days, but pretty quickly we needed to have somewhere where we could, you know, get access to and properly be able to train if we wanted to compete and progress. Um, and that facility that, that was built was yeah was pretty superb. To be fair, I mean it was it was on a par with with anything you'd find on the mainland. You know, the bowling machines, it had everything. So yeah, we were incredibly lucky.
0: And then also in 2008 uh, would have been your first uh, full ICC tournament. This was actually one on home soil. Uh, it was played in whites as well, uh, where we defeated Gibraltar, Germany, France, and Croatia, uh, and then managed to sort of snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, we went from 2:09 for four to 2-0-9 oh, two against Jersey, which uh, still to this day I just can't get. I can actually still, I still have myself running. I, I didn't face a ball; I, I got run out without facing uh, by by mowers. And I remember running, and I was halfway down the wicket, and I just thought, "I'm never getting in here." And oh. I can still to this day remember running. I'm still running it now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I remember
1: that day vividly. You know, where I'm sitting here thinking, "God, we, we're, you know, we seem to be." Cruising in the run chase, absolutely cruising. We've done everything right in this tournament, and then you just started to get that little bit of a feel of that pit in your stomach where you are thinking, "Hang on a minute, you know, we've lost a wicket here. Okay, hopefully the lads will settle down." Then you lose another one, and as you see, you know, it it was it was panic one there. I mean, we hadn't been exposed to real, or a lot of the lads hadn't played massive pressure cricket, and and I, I guess the pressure got to what was a fairly young and inexperienced team. But I often say that you know people always talked about that run that we had where we won x amount of games on the bounce yeah. but I think one of the biggest turning points for Guernsey and certainly for me as a coach was that that feeling after that jersey game of where we, I remember we all regrouped and we had to go to the end of tournament dinner or whatever it was I think at St Pierre Park you know and I just remember the conversations that took place that night you know I, I wondered you know are the lads just going to go out and absolutely drown their sorrows because I wouldn't have put it past them given what we experienced but there were some really proper conversations took place that night with players sort of saying, I never want to feel like that again. And I knew as a coach that I'd, I certainly didn't want to, you know, we, it was, it was like we'd got over the last hit hurdle and tripped at the line and yeah. I knew it really impacted, it really was felt by a number of the senior players. And I guess then that's where I sort of made that commitment to myself that right. You know, I've got the players that want to do something about it. I want to do something about it. And then that's where we, I think, where we made that real surge forward.
0: Yeah, look at looking at that scorecard. There was uh, in the last. Oh, it's like binary, it was, isn't it?
1: Dot 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 dash dash dash. Yeah. I think at the end. Well,
0: well, uh, the last names as well as uh, myself. I'd have been uh, probably twenty two, twenty three. Then, not maybe not even that. Twenty one. Uh, Chris Mahundel, the same age. Jamie, a year older. Uh, then we would have had Gritchie sort of breaking it up, taking the average age back up to about forty. Uh, and then, yeah. and then Blaine <laughs> to finish it off. So actually, the, the lower order, we were so young. I mean, even Tim played that day for us. Yeah, he did. Uh, Tim would have been. Probably seventeen, maybe eighteen at a push. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. I, do you know what? I don't even know if he was that old. I think he might have been about sixteen.
1: Um, but yeah, you know, you just sometimes, you know, you you've, you you have to experience those horrible lows. And that yeah. was not only was it a horrible low; it's a horrible low at KG five, which means a lot to us as a group. It was in front of a lot of supporters that had come out up to watch us, hopefully, you know, get a victory and. Yeah, it was humiliating and and I know it was really felt by many. And then I remember that trip because I was then meeting up with Sussex. I think Grubby was over as well, but that night, Grubby, or the next day rather, Grubby and I had to go over to Jersey for the county's under-16 trip. And I just, I remember being on the phone nearly every evening, either to Piggy or to you know to Dave Pison or to Dave Hurst or Prev or whatever. Just those conversations were beginning to start to take shape of, you know, let, let's kick on here because yeah. we were all hurting and just wanted to get to the next, you know, the next tournament. But yeah, I still have nightmares about it, Ferbs. <laughs> not <Don't> we all. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: 2009 saw us host again another another tournament. This time, a uh, World Cricket League, uh, World Cricket League Seven. It was we defeated Gibraltar, Japan, Nigeria, and Suriname to qualify for the final against Bahrain. Um, this tournament was actually shared the other day by the ICC Europe on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I saw um, some of it.
0: So yeah, what are your memories of that one? That was obviously a little bit different. That was colour clothing now. Uh, yeah, it was. Well,
1: well, I mean, that's where I think the just the excitement factor just you know really took off the Guernsey cricket. You know, we're suddenly welcoming teams to to little old Guernsey from all over the world. You know, yeah. playing against cricket as we've never ever seen before uh, in a way and in a you know and some of the mad methods we had never seen before. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. It was a fantastic tournament. I think, if I remember correctly, I think we lost... uh, Who did we lose on the first day? I think we lost our keeper, who ended up doing a finger or something like that on the first day. So we lost him before we had a ball bowled. Um, So we hadn't started brilliantly. But, you know, I think, you know, I saw then the qualities of some of the people that we had in the group. I remember, you know, Sav's obviously played in that tournament. Frithy got 100 in one of the games, I think. Trev was like a rock in the middle order. You know, and I think we chased down some pretty decent totals, um, you know, in order to to get through to that final. I know we had two two losses to Bahrain, but at that stage, you know, Bahrain were a decent team, weren't they? You know and I mean yeah. they had the ability yeah. to get under to get under your skin. Whether that was whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. But yeah, they they were a damn good team. But yeah, it was really exciting time for Guernsey. I think we played it in May and I remember the first day I think was washed out. Um, yeah,
0: I think we washed I, I, out Japan I think got called off I think we played Japan and then, well, Yeah I think we it. were down At the delights of
1: Port Swath Watching the rain <laughs> come down And the wind howling And these These lads from Nigeria Coming from their temperature Looking out <laughs> thinking What the hell are we doing here um, But yeah it was a brilliant tournament Absolutely fantastic tournament And yeah as I said the, the big thing about that tournament Was that we already knew Where if we were successful That the next trip Was going to be to Singapore yeah. So you know yeah. th- There was a huge carrot But but also with that was the, hang on a minute, we could end up having two tournaments here within, a, within one year. Yeah. You know, and that's, then you're looking at the players, aren't you? Thinking, God, annual leave, you know, holidays for your families, all those sort of things, you, you start to get concerned. But yeah, th- that trip, mate, was, uh, uh, sorry, the, um, that first tournament in Guernsey was, was absolutely huge.
0: Yeah, and then you also tasted victory for the first time against Jersey in an interinsula, uh, this time defeating them by 21 runs. Uh, and Sav scored a fine 102 not out in that game. Um, that was also here at the KG5, I think. So, we had a great yeah, summer of cricket here. Yeah, we really did,
1: actually. And, um, you know, I remember, you know, I say about Alan Hamilton, and I remember speaking to Al, as, as I often used to when I walked around the boundary, and, and we were just discussing cricket. And, and I remember just saying to him, you know, I, I love the ground. kg is a really, really special place. But the wicket, I just felt that having watched us play, we knew how to win on those slow, turgid pitches, you know, Stan, Gary Rich and Frithy yeah. would do their job and squeeze. But my concern was always going to be, what happens when we go away and we either play on flatter wickets, are we going to be able to compete? So I remember speaking to him and, and asking him about sort of the wicket. And 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 Alan then, you know, I, I can't remember if Prev was there, as his, his, his uh, pretty assistant. It
0: probably was just then. I think he was,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember Alan just, you know, speaking to the guys at Sussex and, you know, the KG5 over the years has just got better and better. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was just that we just didn't want to be that one-trip pony that could play on slow, turgid pitches and squeeze. We had to be better than that. So, um, yeah, it was it was a fantastic summer. But that particular 100 by Stabs was a real, you know, key victory. Um, you know, we held our nerve. And, yeah, it was, it was a very sweet victory. And as I remember, it was quite a good evening.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that's the first time I saw Grubby in, the, in a different light where he wasn't the serious guy that I've known him as.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely probably dressed in another colour polar shirt. But yeah, I think he was still yeah. in a
0: golf, golf course attire, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, Grubbs, um, bless him, he, he, yeah, when it's his time to celebrate with a group of people that have given a lot and deserve a win, he's uh, he's usually the first there and, uh, yeah, I do remember that evening.
0: Yes. Uh, and then you mentioned jetting off to Singapore. Um One thing I do remember about this is we we basically were made to train in a thick base layers in the ICG with all the doors closed uh, to try and replicate some of the heat we were about to to encounter when we stepped off that plane. But uh, we did very well in that tournament, which finished third, defeating Malaysia in a third and fourth playoff. Um, What what are your first, how did you sort of think we were going to fare in that sort of tournament or was it just sort of no idea? And secondly, you know, it must have been a great honour sort of finishing third after qualifying from the, the lower division the time before. Yeah, it was, It was. you know, it was a massive,
1: uh, yeah, massive moment for us, I think, to, to be going off to a really high-profile international tournament to a location like Singapore. I'd never been. I was really excited to see what it was like. I'd heard a lot of great things. But, yeah, the, the obvious thing was going to be about the climate, wasn't it? And then, who was it? Was it Jamie I heard the other day on your podcast talking about that delightful... Um, tour guide that we had, who was that real motivator? And pretty much yeah. the first thing he said is, "Were well, you lot are shafted?" Because no no one from uh, no one from Europe ever can do any well, you know, do well out here because of the heat and humidity. But I do remember that airport was really air conditioned. I think we all, rec- I mean, we all laugh about it now, going down the escalator and then those doors opening, and it was just yes. this wall of heat. And we were wearing that shocking rig, weren't we? Of those, oh, that, thick, those
0: chinos and polos. Those yeah. chinos. that Yeah. And my God,
1: it was just literally stuck to us. And we, it was about one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, we got there and settled down. And I remember going training that first day and the sweat was just pouring off us. And I think we all looked at each other and thought, my God, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a challenge, but yeah, you know, we, we did a lot of good things on that trip. It was tough to start with, you know, just trying to, sort of get up to speed with the way that, you know, the, the level of the, of the competition that we were at. And we, we got a couple of, a couple of hidings in the early days. But yeah. again, yeah. I started to see that spirit of Guernsey and, and the way we fought back at the back end of that tournament was amazing. It really was. Um, but yeah, you know, I, there were some key things that happened on that. You know, Percy was the tour manager. And I remember it was actually, I think it was Frithy that came to see me and we had trained really hard. And sort of Frithy just said, look, you know, what are you thinking about training tomorrow? And I, I sort of said, well, you know, I'm not too sure about how much I want the lads to do because of how much they've already put in. And and, and I think Frithi and Hersey, and we basically had a, comp, a, a little bit of a chat and sort of said, look, should we let the lads have a bit of a night, night off and let them just go out and, you know, just let them blow their cobwebs out, let them see a bit of Singapore, let them get it out of their system. Because the last thing we wanted to do was, you know, go into the tournament where you know, people were having a beer around the games, which we knew was a no-no. And to be fair, yeah. it, was a, it was a great decision. <laughs> the lads went out and they enjoyed themselves, but they came back and the way they hit training, you know, they absolutely smashed into it. And he, he, even though the results were going against us, you know, pretty much they'd have their own unwritten code of, right, we're not going to drink during this tournament until the last evening where, you know, then then we can go out and have a beer. But up until then, we're here to do a job. We want to make a good account of ourselves and as i said those early results could have easily have sort of the wheels could have come off
0: yeah um yeah.
1: because they were tough days in extreme heat getting smacked around a, re- a bit but then yeah we turned it round and you know frithy obviously had a a momentous tournament got that brilliant 100 in the last game against singapore yeah. james war you know again had yeah, a very yeah. good tournament yeah yeah you know and, and you know prev was you know i started to see that we were we had a pretty special captain to be fair and Stan, at that, that time, you know, we had we had we had some good people. Ross GH. I thought we were yeah. capable of more, but I think it, we were just slow starters in that tournament, which can happen. But certainly, it was a brilliant thing to be, uh, you know, to be involved in.
0: Yeah, so you've obviously touched on it there. This was sort of the the start of a group of players who we really stuck together, really right up until the way when uh, Prev sort of stepped down as captain, uh, and and yourself stepped away as coach, but. Uh, we'll get on to that, but 2010 was another really busy year for Guernsey mm-hmm. Cricket. Uh, we hosted a 50-over European Division 2 qualifier, uh, winning the tournament, defeating Gibraltar, Israel, Germany and France and then Norway along the way. Uh, and we also defeated Jersey Interinsula by six wickets uh, in the first ever coloured clothing Interinsular, uh, which I believe was at Grainville this time. Um, that you must have already seen there that, you know, that the group of players you had was, was quite exciting.
1: Yeah, you, you always know you've got a chance when you can see a group of players enjoying each other's company. And, you know, that the, it just became a really tight group of people. And, you know, I know, you know, people talk about that infamous, you know, win a, a, in Malaysia, but we, we, we've we been in tough situations, but we seem to find a way of, of getting out of them. And, and that is, for me, that is often a result of, you know, that, that team sort of morale, dependable on each other, you know, often under pressure, people can splinter away, but it seemed to bring us tighter and tighter. But it was, you're right, in the, in those last couple of games in, in Singapore, I started to see it. And then that following year, you know, you could see how much we had developed. Um, and, yeah, we, we were becoming a really good cricket team. I remember the intro, actually, at, at Grainville, and it turned square. And, and Ben Stevens, you know, who I really highly rate, I think he's a really, really good cricketer. I just remember saying to our lads, because they batted first, I think we chased it. Yeah. And I think they, they tried to tee off, I think, a little bit against our spinners and got got undone a little bit. And I just remember saying to our lads, look, it turns, it bounces. Just don't run down the wicket. You know, it's going to turn and bounce past. You just sit back and play off the back foot. And just the way that we adapted um, in that game and very, very calmly knocked off those runs. I, I know that those guys then at that point were thinking, obviously, about what had happened in that horrible day when we when we did trip over. But it was, it was calculated in a, and it was really, really impressive because... You know, you know, Jersey, Jersey are a good cricket team. You know, we, we know that um, they got good players and they got match winners. But on that day, we we certainly turned up.
0: You're listening to Under the Covers, Guernsey's very own cricket podcast. We'll be back after the short break. Bowled him. Beautiful bit of bowling from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground, and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG Five. That's the first wicket. Letizia is the one who strikes. He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in a book. He notes it down and sends them off. You can add Manpreet Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizia needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed. And that's the breakthrough. And Mark Ladder to my left one. a big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. Yeah, and then 2011 Source us compete in our first T20 competition. Uh, European qualifier this time, Division Two qualifier. We sort of co-hosted with Jersey, uh, finishing fourth, losing out to our fellow hosts in the third and fourth playoff. Uh, how did you find the sort of T20 cricket was in comparison to fifty-over cricket tournaments? Uh, often you had yeah. sort of two days, two games a day. Yeah, it was di-
1: it was difficult. I guess. I mean, I think was that the year when we had that GPL as well. Yes,
0: yeah, so that would have been one. So yeah, think- with the GPL probably early season, I believe. Um, yeah, because, I mean, that was, yeah.
1: a, that was a fantastic, fantastic tournament that, you know, Mark Latter put together with, you know, some of the sponsors. You know, it's brilliant. We got some of the pros over. And I know, you know, the relationships we formed through the GPL with people like Paul Franks and Skeg and James Kirtley and, and people like that. You know, it was a proper tournament. And, you know, you just saw that by the volume of people that used to come down and watch it. So I had high hopes for that T20. But, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, when well, we play a lot of evening league. You know so we should be good at this, and we should be used you know used to it but t twenties are really really well as you guys now know it is a really tough game you know yeah. because you can you you don't get a great deal of opportunity at times you know you might not get a bat for a few weeks or you know might not really ever feel like you're really in it's so fast, and the one thing that the other teams did is you know that they with their attitude to the game very very free spirited you know they just they didn't care if they saw people on the fence. They just like, Oh, I'll just whack it over them. You know, the, the amount of clean strikes I saw during that tournament. So I, I always thought we had a chance because we were playing on home soil, but I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be tough. And uh, it, it, it was a tough tournament. Um, you know, I think I remember us tripping up horribly. I think it was against Austria yeah. at the KG five where they, you know, they ended like they were going to win a game or tournament and they nailed us. And I remember then going to Port Swaf and, Turning up thinking, well, we've got to beat Italy just to get through to the next stage. And fortunately, um, Tim Raymond played, you know, arguably the best innings I've seen from him um, in a Guernsey shirt. He got 90, I think. And I mean, he just, he he put on a show Um, and we got a fantastic score. But, you know, even Italy pushed us hard then, you know, because they were a proper cricket team. But um, so we sort of got ourselves into a great position and then travelled over to Jersey and then we... um, we uh, we got whipped over there, didn't we? I can't remember. Was it Denmark? I think we lost to. Uh, you
0: know, I think we actually lost to Jersey. So I didn't actually play in this tournament, but I believe we lost to Jersey um, in the third. I think fourth. that was in the play. Yeah, that was the playoff. I think the
1: semi-final. I think we got done by um, done by Denmark. I think. Um, but again, you know, they were yeah, they they were a very good team. They got one three
0: six and we were all up seventy eight. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, they were just so disciplined with the way they... I mean, we, as always, at that time, we fielded and we bowled exceptionally well. You know, we really did do a good job, but they had some proper seamers that hit the deck properly. Their spinners had control. And, yeah, they made it very, very difficult for us. So, you know, we went into that playoff pretty disappointed and then obviously got our proverbial pants pulled down seriously by um, by Jersey in the final. So... It was a bit of a low point, I guess. Uh, I think we had thought we might do better in that tournament, but I still I pretty much got on the boat back to, to Guernsey and I knew that we had a tournament later on that year. So it wasn't a case of sort of feeling sorry for ourselves. It was a case of looking wounds. And within a couple of weeks, I think we we're having to select a, you know, the, the next um, the next trip.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, um, the, I mean, the next period is obviously probably one of my fondest periods of Guernsey cricket for myself, on a personal note. Um, we defeated Jersey and in interim of by 147 runs at home at the KG5. Uh, and a week later, we flew out to Malaysia, defeating Jersey, Fiji, Kuwait and Malaysia to qualify for World Cricket League 5. Uh, we obviously went one better by defeating Malaysia by five wickets uh, in the final group stage match. We then defeated them by two wickets um, to a superb sort of lower order, uh, 82 from Tom Kimber, 45 from Dave Hooper and then 17 not out from nuzzi. Um, That must have been great, obviously, there. You've got three real young guys sort of coming good at the end.
1: Yeah, that, that was a, you know, it was a brilliant tournament. Malaysia was a fantastic place. We were, you know, superbly looked after. You know, the facilities and the grounds that we played at were just, you know, fantastic, weren't they? And, you know, we used to get up in the morning, get on the team bus and then we had a police escort clearing the traffic to get us to the venues. You know, and then you'd rock up and the venues were amazing. The, the, the thing I found the hardest about that as a coach was that you would arrive at the ground and usually you want to go out and have a look at the wicket. But in Malaysia at that time of year, the first thing you do is look up at the sky because you just had this constant sense of doom that didn't matter how the game goes, at some point you're going to get, you know, a cloud burst and you're either going to get washed out or you're going to get, you know, blooming Duckworth-Lewis, which, you know, was everybody's biggest fear. Because I remember that first game, we'd, we'd, yeah, we had really done a job on Jersey at uh, KG5 and to, to, you know, to their credit, they were going through quite a a transition under Craig Hogan that they had, you know, they got rid of some of their, or, or decided to move on from some of their senior players and bring in a young group. But yeah. I just remember that game, uh, the first one, I think it was at, was it at Kenrara, was it? Um, yeah, against, against Jersey, yeah. Yeah, Fr- Frithi got runs, um, you know, yeah. and we got a score. And I thought, you know, oh, yes, that's a decent score. But then it took us ages to get a wicket. I think uh, Dean Morrison, I think it was for them, ended up yeah. batting really well. Rappen I think... No loss. Yeah, I think we might have got a wicket either backing up or something happened. I think yeah. we got Rappen a bit of a flukish. So I reckon he probably was bowling at the stage. Yeah something something happened and, and and we got a bit we got a breakthrough and then it just gave us a sniff but my god how we actually finished that game because it was like playing in darkness and the yeah the black clouds and the electrical lighting uh lightning going on in the distance we were just thinking well any stage now it's going to come our way and I think we played the last 20 overs like calculating every single over about Duckworth Lewis but yeah fortunately um we got over the line
0: that actual game but, against Jersey remember that one because I was um, 12th man, but I was in the changing room. And there are these tiny, like, sort of um, metal-grated windows. Yeah. Watching through the window for what I could see. And then in the end, I think you turned around to me and said, don't move, someone else can go and run the drinks on <laughs> at that stage. <laughs> and so I was yeah. watching through this grate because that's... Oh, God. Luck there, And it was one of those things <laughs> where we were just sort of, yeah, it was very strange. And uh... I, know,
1: I know it's hard to believe. I never used to get nervous watching cricket until I took on working for Guernsey. <laughs> and then I became this sort of gibbering wreck that I had to have a serious word with myself saying, for God's sake, you know, you can't be seen to be this way. But, you I'm know... even Tourette's as well. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I tried to keep that to myself, but I was, didn't do that very successfully, did I? I guess that's that whole thing, isn't it? The, the lack of... You know, you can only prepare the team to the best of your ability, but you can't play the game. And you know, you see things unfold. And you know, I remember actually in that game, you know, we had we did get some luck that day. I mean, I remember Fraggle blessing coming on, and spraying a couple down the leg side. Kimbo took an amazing yeah. leg side stumping. You know, and and yeah, we just we just continued to fight. But that was a really really key game to get over the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, we, we had some you know massive moments throughout that tournament. But yeah, it was it was, it was a brilliant trip.
0: Yeah, and then following on from Malaysia, um, 2012 saw us travel to Singapore for World Cricket League League 5, obviously the highest uh, level we've ever been at. Uh, In the first game, we absolutely destroyed Bahrain. Uh, Jamie took a five-third, went straight for the top order. Um, Obviously, we had a bit of needle there with Bahrain anyway. Um, Mm. We defeated Argentina, uh, the Cayman Islands, before losing out to Singapore and Malaysia to find ourselves in a third and fourth playoff with, with Cayman Islands. Um, which we narrowly won by one run with Dave Hooper taking his first Guernsey pfeiffer in that tournament as well. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that tournament. I, I, you know, I, it
1: was. I remember because we went to um, we went into Dubai, didn't we, to start with yeah. to try and prepare yeah. ourselves because it was a winter tournament.
0: Yeah, we I played it a Feb, Yeah, we played a game at Sharjah.
1: Yeah, that's right on that road. But yeah, yeah, I remember. You know, we we didn't want to go all the way down to Singapore because. The problem was that you had loads of other teams going down there and, and they couldn't guarantee us the quality of cricket that we needed in preparation. Yeah. So then that's why we thought about trying to use Dubai uh, to break up the flight and all the rest of it. But, you know, in hindsight, it might not have done us that many favours. You know, jet lag was still an issue. I mean, we had a, you know, it was a, it was a nice way to start the trip, if you like, good surroundings in, yeah. in Dubai. You know, we obviously ended up watching England, didn't we, in the one day down at... Uh, uh, down at Abu Dhabi and Prev did his bit on the radio. But, you know, we got down to that tournament. And I I mean, certainly for me, Singapore was my biggest disappointment for me personally as a coach because I remember sitting down doing a debrief in the, in the hotel on the night that we were flying home. And I think that was the only time as a group that we sat down and thought that we actually have underachieved because I think we should have won that tournament. Um, you know, I remember... You know that first game. I remember going to the ground the day before, and I was with um, Adam Roachford, Fizz at the time, uh, Prev and um, Desert. I think was on that trip, and I remember saying to Prev, "You know, because it was a totally different wicket from the years we'd been there before. It was a greenland, wasn't it?" Yeah. And yeah. and I remember I I remember we I remember saying, "You know what? We, we're going to probably have to leave Gary out here." You know, which was unheard of because Stan always gave us so much control, but it just looked an absolute green seamer. And then, obviously, thankfully. Nuzi ran in first ball of the game and bumped their opener and we got a court and bowl first ball of the game and that's it, we were flying. Yeah. Um, and, and we were pretty much done by lunch, weren't we?
0: Yeah, so we were... We, um, Certainly
1: before Schoons turned
0: balled, up. <laughs> that's the, that is the funny story behind it, the, the, the press <laughs> press didn't turn up. But yeah, we know we oh. bowled them out for uh, 49 in 13.5 overs uh, with Jamie doing majority of the damage. Also, Hoops bowled one over three for one. Uh, yes,
1: helpful. Just, uh, Renault got a wicket, I think, didn't he?
0: Matt uh, was on that trip. Three overs, one for eighteen. Um, yeah. so, and then Stu Biss, three point five overs, one for ten. Um, yeah, brave move bringing Stu Biss on that early, but
1: yeah. Well, there you go, there you go. I just <laughs> remember those horrendous. The thing about that trip was those horrendous budgie smugglers he pulled out <laughs> when we're in Dubai. So he's uh, yeah. I've, I, don't worry, don't worry, coach. I've got some. I've got some gear for the lads for the trip. And I was thinking, oh my god, what's this going to be? And thinking of all the places in an Arab state. And there these things are, my <laughs> God. That He's, was frightening. Thank God we were the only ones around the pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know, the, the, the cricket, you know, as I said, we, I think we had a lot of belief, didn't we, in that group? Um, you know, we, we we didn't fear those other teams. We knew there were some good cricket sides within that group. Um, but we, we were, I think we were towards our peak at that point. Um, and then, yeah, we just... Uh, was it Q8? I think was when uh, Nuzzi basically stood stood up um, and got a fifer came back on towards the death and you know blew them away. Yeah,
0: that's right. and I, I think
1: yeah, I just I just think that was the time where I thought you know you know blimey you know we got belief here. Oh, sorry, that, that's that was that was back in. Malaysia, won it?
0: No, sorry. Yeah, we yeah, okay. played Singapore second, uh, which we lost in so three. many good trips. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we played Argentina. Uh, yeah. Argentina, Roscoe got a good 40. or did he get more than that? No, he got 86, Roscoe. So, yeah. Yeah. That'd really nice that day. I remember that one. Um, was that the game where, before the game, they made us line up? And, and was it Argentina who...
1: No, that was and they made that request for the national anthem. And they yeah. came. So we all lined up. I remember the guy coming to speak to me and said, Fiji, you want to do their national anthem? I said, that's absolutely fine. You know, you know, absolutely. as a mark of respect. We'll come out and all line up. And then he announced, right, well, Jersey will go first to sing their national anthem. Uh, sorry, Guernsey will sing yeah. their national anthem. And, and we all looked at each other and was like, what? So, um, yeah, thankfully he moved on quite quickly and let Fiji yeah. do theirs. But, yeah, um, yeah it's. Uh, yeah. We, we, there were some really good cricketers within that group um, you know that we played against and obviously within our team yeah. and then we got to that game against Malaysia didn't we and you know we'd done all the hard work and we had restricted them and then unfortunately we had a couple of run outs that cost us dear I remember Frithy getting run out or yeah. was it Prev got run out I think they had a mix up didn't they
0: both of them both of run out yeah yeah
1: yeah. and then when we thought we were out the game again Nuzzi came oh, in look, and started Abs. yeah, yeah I mean he I think we went into the last over with a chance of actually winning it after having been out of it for the last yeah. sort of six or seven overs.
0: Yes, yeah, so we, um, we lost that one out by four runs. Um, we still yeah. had four balls to spare, which yeah. uh, sort of, regardless of position nowadays, you'd almost expect the batting team to to, to win. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So that 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 was a real that was a real disappointment. And but we, you know, we got
1: what well, probably what we deserved in the game. I think we, you know, we uh, we made some fatal errors in that in that game, and, and the running between the wickets cost us. Um, and our chance of sort of getting promoted again sort of slipped away. And then as I said we went into that last game, didn't we, at, um, at Singapore Cricket Club? I think yes. you took a catch, didn't you, on the boundary to to yeah, uh, he, to win he, it? He was bowling uh, half volleys at the, at the that's back. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He decided that that might be the best way to go. <laughs> let's let's hope they hit a half volley down somebody's throat. And thankfully, you were at deep long off and took the catch to win us the game. And uh, yeah, it was it was it, it was a brilliant it brilliant trip. I think we learnt a lot. I had the feeling at that point, maybe that, you know, I wouldn't say that we, I definitely wouldn't use the word complacent, but I think we'd become comfortable at the point we're at. And I felt that if we were to go again, then some of the things needed to change. And, you know, obviously it was Gary Richie's last game, um, you know, which was really sad to see him go. But, you know, what a, a fantastic achiever he's been for Guernsey for so long. You know, but, you know, the end of his career meant that we had lost that sort of, you know, spin, the spin twins and, you know, and we were going to have to find another way of controlling teams. And, you know, the other thing with that trip as well was, you know, and I think it would be wrong of me not to mention him throughout those trips. You know, Prev was such a brilliant leader. You know, I always think, you know, you know, managing people or whatever like that, he just... He seemed to get that group of players to want to play for him. And that was because of the relationships he had with them, the way he was on the pitch. They respected him. You know, yes, we had a good team and, and people might say, oh, well, it's easy, you know, leading a decent team. But, you know, it, he did it fantastically well. Um, yeah,
0: I think one of the yeah, back in those days, I was sort of in and out of the side quite a reasonable yeah, amount. Yeah, sorry about that, um, mate. And it, yeah. <laughs> and it was also, it was one of those things where, you sort of knew it was coming on on certain match days. And Stu Biss and I used to always have a a bit of a joke saying, oh, we'll probably have to get the drinks out, whatever. And and Stu used to come and chat to us and say, look, you know, unfortunately you haven't made it today. But it was at never any stage did you ever feel any sort of spite or any personal vendetta against Stu. You just thought, no, that's the best decision for the team. And then just got on with it. Whereas often, um, not necessarily something I've witnessed, but I think often nowadays as players do find it hard going away on a tour and not playing. Um, Yeah. Whereas back in those days, I think my first tour, I think I went on, I, I played a warm-up game. I did well in the warm-up game and then didn't play in the first one. Uh, and then I ended yeah. up playing about the third or fourth game and didn't play again. And it was sort of one of those trips where I came away and I think I s I've got a couple of thirties and I was like, I've done all right there. And I was thinking, well, I haven't really played, but I've actually done all right. But it was never yeah. at the stage where it was kind of, I think players now expect that when they go on there, they really deserve a game, which, which is where yeah. you we that that very
1: well. Yeah, he did. And, you know, he was incredibly inclusive on these. So, a- away from the actual cricket itself, you know, socially and all that sort of stuff, he, he would. He always did that good bit of work off the field. He'd have the time to go and speak to those players that he knew might be feeling a bit down, and you know because sometimes that's better coming from the player than it is necessarily the coach. You know, I might be the one who gives the bad news or stew, yeah. but he was incredibly good at keeping the group tight together. And to cre- to the credit, like you say, mate, of people like yourself that did do your fair share of of drinks, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And ne- then you, you always did it, you know, with a smile on your face and always gave to the team when you either had to throw balls or come on a yeah. field and you know, I think the mindset had to change, didn't it? Because in the early days for Guernsey, I think there was almost the attitude, well, you know, people are giving up work, so we've got to make sure everyone gets a game. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, we're playing for big stakes. We're we're playing for the pride of Guernsey. We're 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 effectively playing for money because it affects our funding, which means that yeah you know, with, with people's jobs depend on it. So there was a lot riding on it. Um, but yeah, well it's a as hard as team for you to break into.
0: Yeah. I, I always used to look at it as well and think, right. What, what can I do to get into this team? Can I be the fittest? Yes. So I used to just say, well, you know, I can play every game if, if it came to it. Uh, and yeah. the other thing I always used to think as well is, well, I've been selected in the top 14 players. So that's an achievement within itself. So I'd always be happy that I was in the squad, but obviously no, no doubt. Obviously I wanted to play in every game. Yeah. Um, but I think that was also something where players now sort of think, ah, oh, if I'm not good enough to be in the first eleven, it's not great. Whereas actually, it's still a massive honour. You're, you're in the best 14 players of your country. That's that's, that's still a big honour. Yeah, and I think probably, Ferb, so I'm not, not
1: trying to speak for you, but that's probably why you regard your place so dearly, because you know how hard you had to work. You know, yeah. how hard did you have to work to, to, to get a Guernsey cap, to, to play in those tournaments, to be, you know, to be somebody now that people look at and think, yeah, you know... Ferbs is on that team sheet, because you spent enough time sort of earning those stripes. And you were just in that phase, weren't you, where we just had that really settled side. And we had a physio that used to be able to patch people up and get them back out on the pitch. You know, I, I always remember, you know, asking the physio one morning about GH. And he said, mate, I said, look, is, is he fit to play? He said, mate, his body's shot. And I went to GH, you fit to play? Yes, coach. You know, that, that was just his attitude. He yeah. didn't want to miss out. You know, and, you know, so, yeah, it was a tough team to, to break into and certainly for some of the younger players. But you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes you can get things a little bit too easy. Um, you know, I, I I think people who wear that Guernsey kit should have to earn it and be really proud of it. You know, I remember, you know, and it didn't go down well with everybody when I used to bring in the old Guernsey gold caps. Yeah. Because I wanted I wanted some recognition for those people that had, had achieved um, and have won games of cricket and made a difference for Guernsey cricket, and I just felt that you know it's very easy for everybody to be given the kit, but um, I, I think it's got to be it's got to be worn with pride, and people have to understand the privilege to wear it. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in that.
0: Uh, it, on that, so 2012 was uh, 2011 was Singapore. 2012 was actually your last year in charge as, as Guernsey coach. Mm. Um, you've probably touched on it there a little bit, but you, you stepped away. Um, you know, stating that someone did actually need to be there sort of full-time on Ireland to, to take the squad further forwards. Yeah, I, did,
1: I just felt at that stage, um, I remember my last game actually was a really disappointing defeat against Jersey, uh, the old enemy again at, at Grainville. And, you know, they, they they clobbered us. Um, you know, we were, I remember it, it did do quite a bit that day. Um, and we had a bat, I think, and we didn't get a great score and they, you know, they, they absolutely annihilated us. But, it was it was just again that that feeling of that we are at that top point that if we are going to make that move to the next level, it needs some somebody who could be there more more regularly in order to nurture the gaps that had started to appear in our team. You know, Gary Rich stopping playing. Prev and I had already had conversations and Prev being a busy family man, wasn't sure how long he was going to go on for. So, you know, and Savs started to pick up, you know, his injuries had started to impact him again. You know, there were some things there and it just felt if we're going to nurture this young team, somebody needs to be there to be able to, you know, drive that team forward. And, and with me being part-time at that stage... I didn't feel that that was the right thing for me to try and take on, um, and so yeah, I did. I, you know, I pretty much tried to talk myself out of a job. I guess I went to the board and I remember saying to them, "Look, you know, in my opinion, this is what is required." And, you know, very nicely, I was asked if I was able to do that, and you know, I had to be honest and say so at that point, not only could I not do that because my commitments at Sussex, but my, you know, my fire service job. But I, but in my heart of hearts, I didn't think it was right for Guernsey. I think I'd been around for long enough with that group of players that they perhaps needed something fresh. Um, but, you know, you know, I certainly didn't leave um, easily. And I, and I, and I'll be honest and say, even in my period away, I, I always sort of had that tie to Guernsey cricket. I always wanted to, you know, I always, of course I always wanted to succeed, but I was always really interested in how they were developing. You know, I had a good relationship with Skeg, you know, but, and yeah, it was, it, it always felt a little bit like unfinished business, I guess.
0: Yeah. So it, that leads us into 2019. Um, saw you come back as Guernsey head coach. Um, and You've pretty much said it there, but that was obviously something that you sort of uh, probably not always had or wanted to do, but probably something that you, you really would have taken up the opportunity of. Um, how did that sort of come about? And, you know, obviously 2020 has been a really hard year uh, with you. Yeah, I mean, it's not been ideal, has it? Come twice, I think, before we, before yeah.
1: we get you in anymore. So, So, you know, obviously, um, you know, the previous coach, Ash, had had moved back to the mainland and and I think there was a little bit of a review done by the board about, you know, in which direction they wanted to go in. Um, You know, I certainly looked at the group of players that were there um, and and I thought and I still think they're a really exciting group. Um, they're, They're a really good age. You know, I really feel that they haven't, played their best cricket or got anywhere near what they're capable of. So those conversations started basically with myself and Mark during that that winter once, you know, Asher departed back to the UK, back to Sussex. And it was just a case of uh, feasibility. My, My role in the sort of fire service had changed as I've got older. I've come off the fire engines. I'm too old for that. So now I sort of respond in a car and just go to the sort of more life threatening things. So my work patterns changed. And it was a case of, yes, I know I want to do it. But I have to be able to be honest with myself and with with Guernsey about my availability. So that that was a could have been a stumbling block, but we managed to to sort of get round that. And then, yeah, I started coming back, and you know the the just the early those early months. I think it was probably that pre Christmas, wasn't it in two thousand and nineteen? Yeah. You know, before obviously dreaded COVID arrived. You know, it was just fantastic to have the opportunity to come down and do one-to-ones with the players and see what they've got, see what they try and you know work out what where they could go. And yeah, I really felt that we were beginning to build momentum. And there were some quite key things I wanted to do off the field in terms of that whole team dynamic. I mean, I'm certainly not trying to recreate the team that we had of old. And I know for some of the youngsters, it's a bit of a bugbear, and people talk about you know the. You know the savs and you know and all those guys that were prolific players and I, and I sort of said to them well you 've got the opportunity to make your own history, but you know i think I think this current team is still yet to find its own identity um, but yeah it 's a bit part of the frustration, not only covid um, was that I never in that post Christmas got the opportunity to do that and then see us actually perform so i 'm still sort of waiting to, to you know, sort of regroup with the lads and, and, and get going again, you know. Yeah, Hopefully but, we'll be lucky and we'll get some cricket.
0: You're probably in a better position. Uh, well, not in a great position at all with COVID, but in a better position this year, we actually streamed some games and uh, set, sent the odd text, like, well batted to, you know, certain players when you, you, you're watching... Yeah. A- it must have been a bit of a weird experience. It was It was strange. I mean, you know, on one hand, it was amazing, wasn't it? I mean,
1: the feedback and exposure Guernsey cricket got on the back of that live stream for that first game of cricket in COVID times was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Renault's little catch that yeah. obviously got quite a lot of profile for. But no, it was It was a fantastic spectacle. But what it did do is allow me to sort of watch from that sort of distant view to watch what was going on yeah i managed to message a few of the lads to try and give them the encouragement when i saw things that we've been working on or they were trying you know because it's blooming hard trying to do it remotely you yeah. know and and feeling quite disconnected and you know Ollie taps obviously had to try and step up to do what i was supposed to do and i you know it, it's it's difficult and you know I, yeah i just i'm really looking forward to getting back connected because I, you know i have to say i think this this group of players are really exciting really really exciting they're young um, but just I think there's some key things that um, could make a big difference to us.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we're obviously in that stage, uh, sort of a rebuilding stage, but um, with quite a few established players at the same time. So it's definitely something we can,
1: we yeah. can do
0: in, in a direction. Yeah, too,
1: to, right. And, I, and I, you know, a big desire of mine would be to see us at some point try and return to 50 over cricket. As yeah. I said earlier, you know, 2020 is blooming hard. And if you're a young player as well and you're batting in the lower middle order, you know, what exposure do you get? And I, you learn the game by playing it. And, you know, if you're only playing T20s, you don't get much opportunity to learn how to do different things. So, you know, I know that we've spoken as a group and I know, you know, with the board as well about trying to get 50 over cricket to, yeah. to help us develop because, um you know, every, every side goes through transition, you know. And, and I know that people get frustrated when they keep hearing coaches say, oh, you know, turnover of players. But, you know, we have only got 60-odd thousand people. You know, we have, you know got a, a, a nucleus of players there. Yes, they're very good, but they take time. They're young. You know, they're not going to be able to just walk into the shoes of those established players. And, and as I said, my my previous tenure, I was incredibly lucky. You know, I, I had, you know, Lee Saverdent, who was a fantastic all-rounder, who would have got into any team as a batter or a bowler. You know, and the fact that he was an all-rounder, Frithy was just a machine and probably the outstanding player of that whole generation in, in terms of World Cricket League. Prev was a great captain, Gary Rich you know, we just had a really, really good group. Yeah. So it's going to take time for some of these youngsters to, to fill some of those shoes, but I, I, I think, think we're in a really good place.
0: But for me, if I, and I had this actual chat with, with Tim Ravens, in the summer, we were just having a, a chat at one of our games. And he said to me, if you'd have known what you'd have known now and understood your game, like you do now, when you were 20, he said, mm-hmm. imagine, what, imagine what you could achieve. And I said to him, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable really. I said, I've never really thought about it in that way until then and then and ever since I have thought god you know what I I wish you know one I'd have understood that that at 20 you just learn your game the older you get and you know yeah. your game uh which is something that I'm keen to sort of pass on to the younger guys in the squad and say look you, it will come good uh you just got to sort of back that option and if if it is if that's what you're doing then uh, and it's your choice then that's fine uh and at the same time it's like yeah actually Keep yourself fit and healthy. How long can you go? You never know. Gritchy I think, was, was late 40s when he played. I think. So. Yeah, he was.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I'm quite like that. I'm, I'm quite reflective. And I, you know, I look back now and it's easy to look back with a bit of wisdom, isn't it? When you're a bit older and think, yeah. God, you know, I, I was in shocking shape as a professional cricketer physically, you yeah. know, and, and I, I, I'm probably fitting out 50 than I am when I was 21. You know, it's outrageous, really. But yeah, th- those key things about learning the game and understanding the game and, you know, as I said, just respecting it as well. You know, you, no one's got a God-given right, have they, to, to play for any team or to bat in any position or, you know, whatever. You, you have to earn it and it is a tough sport. You know, you, you, it's, not, it's just not that easy. Otherwise, we'd all be fantastic at it. But, um, you know, as I say, I think, I think we're developing nicely. You know, we, we've definitely got some exciting players within that group. It's just now becoming gelling as that team and seeing if we can get a bit of that sort of team ethic in there. Um, but again, that takes time. Yeah, it's not you, you, that needs to happen organically. You can't force it. Um, but I, I'm really excited about the future. Definitely.
0: No, thank you very much for for coming on. Um, it's been great to catch up. Obviously, we've we've been in fairly good contact anyway uh, with you being being head coach. But for everyone else out there, it's gonna be good to hear your story. Thank you, mate. I've appreciated it. And uh, as I say, um I
1: hope everyone in Guernsey stays safe during these very bad times. But to say you've got it better than us at the moment is a massive understatement. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I certainly hope to be back on Ireland in the new year, mate. But uh, take care and thanks very much.
0: No, thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and keep listening. Thank you.